Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we lift you up with all praise and honor and glory. We thank you, Almighty God, for being here with us today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, and we ask you, Father, to go with us in your word. Help us to understand it and to take that word and use it in our lives daily. Let us be a beacon of light to others as well, Father. Thank you, Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, today we are going to cover uh, Genesis 14. So let's start. At this time, Amraphel, king of Shinnah, Ariok, Ariok, king of Eleazar, uh, Kindor Lamar, Lamir, king of Elam, and Tigdal, king of Goin, went to war against Berah, king of Sodom. See, already they're fighting. Bersha, king of Gom, Gom uh, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Sinab, king Sinab, Sinab, king of Etmah, and Shim Eber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. All these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Sidon, the Salt Sea. For the twelve years they have been subjected to Kedalamir, uh, but the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kedalamir and the king allied with him, went out. Uh, let's see. Went out and defeated the Raphaites and the Asheroth, Carnium, and Zuzites in Ham. The Enemites in Sheves, Kiasium, and the Hortites in the hill country of Seir, as far as El. Paran, near the desert. Then they turned back and went to in Mishvet, that is Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of Amaleks, as well as the Amorites who were living in Hazaron Tamar. The king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah the king of Admoth and the king of Zeboim, Zeboim, the king of Bela, that is Zor, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Sidon against Kitalamia, king of Elam. 
uh, mind you now, this is the, uh, <laughs> this, these are, uh, Ham's people fighting, um, four kings against five. Now, the valley of Sidon was full of tar pits, and when the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. Uh, one who had escaped came and reported this to Abram and uh, Abram the Hebrew. And now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre. The Amorite, a brother of Ishkolo and, and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. And when Abram heard that his relatives had been taken captive, he called out, the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he rooted them. pursuing them as far as Hobath, north of north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relatives, Lot and his possessions, together with the women and other people. After Abram returned from defeating Kedalomer and the kings allied with him. Uh, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Shalom, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram, Abram by God's most high creator of the heaven and earth. Okay, so we know that at this time, uh, uh, Melchizedek really existed. Uh, you know, that, that's a real question that's been up in the air, but they know that he did exist. He was a... Uh, high priest, uh, he was dedicated to God, okay? And for him to come and bless Abraham was, uh, was an honor, high honor, a holy day, you could say. Um, And already through this little 
war here. He has gained a reputation and he has gained honor uh, amongst the people who have aligned themselves with him. Uh, and blessed be God's most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. See? Uh, then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. Hmm. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken the oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a tread or a thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abraham rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me to Anir, Eskol, and Mamre. Let them have their share. Very smart. Very, very smart. <clears throat> because you don't know when. Right now, they're your friend. They're aligned with you. But, um, you know, tomorrow they might be your enemy, and they'll hold it over your head that I did so-and-so for you. I made you who you are, and you owe me this and that. No, he, he wasn't going to put himself in that situation. Okay? <clears throat> okay. Uh, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham uh, in a vision. <clears throat> this is chapter 15. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Uh, he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with the dove and a young pigeon. And Abram brought all these to him, cut them into, and arranged the halves. Okay, he arranged the halves opposite each other. 
The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Uh, then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was set, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. And there's the prophecy of the uh, people who are the Judah tribe. There it is right there, people. But I will punish the nations they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. Okay? So, again, I, I said this uh, last year, and I, again, I'll repeat it this year. Uh, when you are in debt, you're in indebtedness, and you have to pay that debt. And though the Lord allowed the slavery to happen because he knew it was happening, he told it to Abraham. There's a, uh, there is a collection on that debt. And so in this case, uh, the collection is they will suffer for what they did do to his people. But I will punish the nations they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possession. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sins of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> so, uh, there's a whole thing in a nutshell right there. The Amorites have to reach their full their uh, full measure in order for uh, his descendants to return. You haven't reached that yet. When the sun has set and darkness has fallen, a smoke... Smoking firepot was uh, with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants, I give this land from the river, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, the Kenzanites, the Kadamothites, the Hittites, the Pezzarites, the Rephahites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gerzegites, and the Jezebites. Okay. 16. Now sorry Abram's wife had bored him no children, but she had an Egyptian maid servant named Hagar, so she said to Abram, The Lord <clears throat> has kept me from having children. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
go sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now, Abram, uh, Abram agreed to what Sari said. Now, this is normal uh, behavior. At that time, women gave their, if they couldn't have children, they would give their maid servants over to the husband uh, for that purpose to reproduce. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> so after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sari, his wife, took his Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise his mistress. Then Sari, then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. So she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. Uh, it was the spring that is beside the road of Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running from my mistress Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. Okay, so. The Lord is telling Hagar, your descendants will be what? <laughs> what does it say? Will increase your descendants that they will too be too numerous to count. They won't be as many as uh, Abraham's descendants, but they will be numerous, too numerous to count. Okay. Do we not see that today? Of course. Um, the Arab nation is huge. Um, let's move on. Uh, I lost my place. I'm sorry. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You and you are now with child. And you will have a son, and you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. 
his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. Is that not a clear prophecy today? Yes, it is. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. So there will be constant uh, bickering and arguing between his brothers. She gave this name to the. Uh, she gave this name to the Lord who sp spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said. I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Berlashi, Roni. Berla, Berlahar, Berlahai, Roni. Okay. Uh, it is still there between Kedash and Berd. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had bore. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Okay. Um, before we go on any further, uh want to go over Melchizedek. Let me find Melchizedek very quickly so we know who Melchizedek is. This one first. Okay. Melchizedek. Melchizedek, Melchizedek, uh, king of righteousness, a king of Solomon, Jerusalem, a priest of the Most High God. Uh, he's mentioned in Genesis 14, 18 to 20, uh, in Psalms 110 and 4, and Hebrews 5, 6 through 11, and 620 and 728. Uh, Melchizedek's appearance and disappearance in the book of Genesis are somewhat mysterious. Melchizedek and Abraham first meet after Abram's defeat at Chaldolamir. 
and his three allies. And then Melchizedek uh, presented bread and wine to Abraham and his weary men, demonstrating friendship and religious kinship. He bestows a blessing on Abraham in the name of El Elon, God Most High, and praises God for giving Abraham a victory in the battle. Okay, that's what I have in my student Bible. Now I'm going to go over really quick because I want to try and cover this a little bit more. There's a little bit more about him in my other book. Okay, uh, this is what I have in the other book, which is uh, the Uggers uh, Bible Dictionary. Okay, we have um, uh, the King of Righteousness, um, King of uh, Salaam. Uh, Jerusalem to congratulate Abraham on his victory over Chaldemir and his allies. He met him in the valley of Shevev, that is the king's valley. Okay, he brought him wine and bread. Uh, also um, bestowed his blessings upon him. In return, the panach gave to the royal priest a tenth of his booty taken from the enemy. All right, uh, let's see if there's anything else here. Melchizedek's mentioned in Psalms. We have that also. Fortified that Messiah would be a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And in Hebrews, where these two passages of the OT are quoted, and typically relationship of Melchizedek to our Lord is stated at great length. According to the order of Melchizedek, is explained by Genesis and Rosemuller to mean manner, i.e. likeness in official deity, a king and priest. The relationship between Melchizedek and Christ as type and antitype is made in the Eptal of the Hebrews to consist in the following particular. Uh, each was a priest who is not of the Levite tribe, who is superior to Abraham, 
whose beginning and end is unknown, who is not only a priest, but also a king of righteousness and peace, uh, without, without father, except refers to the priest genealogy of Melchizedek is not found on the register of the only line of legitimate priest. His father's name is not recorded, nor his mother's. No evidence points out his line of descent from Aaron. Uh, it is not affirmed that he had no father or that uh, he was not born at any time or died on any day. But these facts were nowhere found in the register of Levit Levitic priesthood. Melchizedek offers a ex expressive type of Christ. The king priests, especially of the Messiah's work, is a re resurrection as much as the ancient character offers bread and wine, memorials of sacrifice. The writer to the Hebrews beautifully describes the everlasting continuance and kindly author authority of Christ's high priesthood by the praise according to the order of Melchizedek. Uh, the priesthood handed down through the line of Aaron is often set aside by death. The Melchizedek aspect of Christ's priesthood portrays Christ in the paturity of his priestly office. He always lives to make intercession. Uh, although the Arabic priesthood could testify, uh, could typify Christ's priestly work, it was limited in portraying the full, the full scope of his priest's ministry. Melchizedek type supplements the Aramic type as the king of righteousness and king of peace. Christ's will in the coming kingdom age assume both offices in his person. The prophet Zechariah graphically sets this forth in the symbolic crown of Joshua. This significant event foreshadows the millennial period when Messiah, the branch, will set and rule on his throne. Thus, he will be a priest on his throne, and the Council of Peace will be between the two offices that is, both kingship and priesthood, will be united in one person. Okay. All right. So that is what we have on Melchizedek. All right. Now, moving on from here, Ishmael. Okay. Ishmael is born into the picture.
Okay, uh, so we will read about Ishmael on. So Ishmael is born, and we are now into Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down, and God said to him, Ask for me. This is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you from the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as, you, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and... You, you, excuse me, uh, lost my place again. As for you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for generation to generation. Uh, this, uh, for generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every man among you shall be circumcised. Okay, now here's where the circumcision begins. Uh, you are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. So this is the only reason why circumcision became because this was a way of the Lord making a sign. A sign. It was a sign to let the North Lord know who's who. Because these people are going to grow abundantly. Okay? Numerous. Now this is a sign between you and me. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including 
those born in your household or brought with money from a foreigner, those who are not yet offspring, whether born in your household or brought with your money. Now, even today here in this country, in the United States, uh, I don't know about other uh, lands, but I do know here uh, it is still asked uh, during that time frame, do you want to circumcise your child? And um, most of us who have had sons have circumcised our children. Uh, okay, uh, so as you can see, it still carries on. Um, in fact, a couple of years ago, there was a big thing about that here uh, in the states. Um, people were talking about what was the what was the purpose of circumcision, and a lot of people were saying, "Well, it had to do with cleansiness." And well, that was Martin Day' uh, train of thought, uh, you know, cleansiness. But that is not the real reason. The real reason is that it's a sign between us and God uh, that he knows his people. Okay. Um, uh, my covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant means it never stops. An uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people, and he has broken my covenant. Okay? God also said to Abram, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Uh, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people, uh, kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abram said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Mm. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarai will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for the descendants after him. Now, notice this. Um, this is why I, I, one of the reasons why I picked up Tyndale. Uh, in the uh, other books that I read, uh, Sarai did the laughing. Of course, Sarai probably did laugh. But Abraham laughed, too, because, you know, Abraham was thinking, I'm an old man, and she is an old woman. You know, how is this happening? But you're dealing with the God Almighty. Anything is possible, right? Um, 
So even though the Lord is telling him this, he's he's got a little doubt there. But he's listening to the Lord. He's following through. Okay? Um, and, of course, he's asking the Lord if Ishmael will live under his blessing. Uh, then the Lord says, yes, but your wife Sarai. So, again, he says, yes, but. So, Ishmael's children, who are numerous, the Arab nation, is under that same blessing. <laughs> uh-huh. So this is what I said last year about be careful what you say and do uh, with the Arab nations because you don't know who these people are. I keep saying this. Yeah, there are some issues. Yes, a lot of people do not like them uh, for various reasons. I'm not even going to get into that. Um, but if you go back to the scriptures, these people lay claim to Abraham who is in the line. <laughs> he said they're in the line and they, they are blessed the same way that the uh, Israelite nation is blessed. <laughs> and uh, and uh, people are dipping and dabbing, you know, um, talking about what's right and what's not right. And, um, yeah, um, some things, yes, and some things, no. And we have to tread very carefully on this entire issue because it's one thing to disturb man's balance, but it's another thing when you disturb the Lord's balance of things. Okay. Um, so let's, let's get back to this. Um, then God said, yes, but your wife Sarai will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. This was a blessing he bestowed on Ishmael. Okay. He will be the father of 12 rulers. And I will make him into a great nation. Okay, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac. And that is where the line was drawn. The covenant was made with Isaac. It wasn't made with Ishmael. But Ishmael shares the blessings that the Lord bestowed as far as being fruitful and, and multiplying, increasing in numbers, and being uh, rulers of twelve. Okay, um, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next uh, next year. When he has finished speaking with Abram, God went up from him. On the very day Abram took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household, or bought with his money, every male in his household, 
and circumcised them as God told him. Abram was 99 years old when he was circumcised. And you know that was painful at 99 years of age. Wow. And his son Ishmael was 13. Ike, you know, uh, when babies get theirs uh, clip when they're young, boy, they scream and holler and you know, they won't, you know, they won't, they don't want you to touch that area. Forget about it. So imagine being an older person. Uh, the older you are, the, <laughs> I'm assuring that the most painful it is. Um, <clears throat> uh, Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that day. And every male in Abram's household included those born in the household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. So if you were a foreigner in his household, you were circumcised. You became part of the line. Okay? You were grafted in. Um, all right. I want to um, uh, talk on Ishmael for a second. And I want to talk about Isaac since we brought them up. And so Ishmael, the firstborn of Abraham by his wife, wife's Egyptian maidservant Hagar. Although God had promised Abram a heir, uh, uh, Abraham's wife Sarah had been unable to bear the child. And so she gave Hagar over to him to be his uh, wife. Sarah offered her maid to him in order to help fulfill God's promise. Uh, let's see. Try and see if there's anything else on Ishmael here. I don't see much on him here. So let me see if I can dig up a little more on Ishmael here. really have it here, don't they? Yes, they do. Okay, Ishmael. All right. Ishmael means God will hear. The eldest son of Abraham and Hagar is Egyptian concubine. Uh, he was born uh, the patriarch at 86 years of age, 14 years, place 
of birth was Marie, circumcised. Next record of his life uh, is his circumcision, which occurred when he was 13 years of age. Okay, expulsion. Ishmael is not mentioned again until the weaning of Isaac when Ishmael was probably between 15 and 16 years of age. Uh, during the festive of the occasion, Ishmael, doubtless angered by his plight hopes, apparently mocked Isaac's. Sarah's overhearing him became angered and said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son. Okay, so they were having, uh, I've always thought, wondered about this. They were having some kind of festival. And of course, you know, he's a teenager. Uh, he's feeling himself and he mocked Sarah's son. Uh, drive out this maid, son, and uh, drive out this maid and her son. Uh, they shall not be hairs with my son Isaac. Greed uh, at the demand of Sarah, Abraham yield only when influenced by the divine emotion. The beautiful and touching picture of Hagar departed and journeyed to record in. Uh, ZV 1416. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and, and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away um, to the wilderness of Beersheba. Uh, the water is, and the skin is used up and of course the boy um, is placed under a bush from first. Okay. Uh, the Lord appears to Hagar, opens her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and thus saved the life of the boy. Again, the cheered promise was renewed to her son. Uh, I will make a great nation of him. Okay. Um, the age of Ishmael at the time of his expulsion was, uh, was given occasion to consider this uh, discussion. This, I'm sorry, discussion. Uh, he was doubtless 13 years of age at the time of his circumcision and the time of his expulsion was about two or three years later. So even though, again, you have to remember now, even though he, they were put out of the tribe, uh, Ishmael was accounted as part of the tribe because he was circumcised. So he was part of the promise of God. And this is where the, the contingency comes in today with uh, the Arab nation and the Israelite nation because you can't pull them apart. 
uh, they are together because they are under that promise. Um, let's see. Uh, the translation, which seems to speak of Ishmael as an infant, is not an appropriate experience expression. It is unnecessary to assume that the child was put on Hagar's shoulder, the construction of the Hebrews not requiring it, and that sense of passage rendering it highly impossible. Hagar carried carried them uh, the bread the bread and the skins of water on her shoulder. The fact of the lad being overcome by thirst and fatigue before his hardy Egyptian mother is not remarkable, especially when we remember God's miraculous interposition in her behalf. And they were in the desert <laughs> again. Okay. Thus, miraculously preserved Ishmael grew and dwelt in the wilderness, Paran, which is desert, and became an archer. Uh, it would seem to have been his mother's wish to return to Egypt, but this being prevented, she took him, an Egyptian wife, who gave him 12 sons and one daughter. This daughter uh, being called the sister of Nebath, the limitation of of the parentage of the brother and sister seemed to point to a different mother in Ishmael, Ishmael's other sons. Um, later life. Of this, we know little. Ishmael was uh, present with Isaac at the burial of Abraham. We are given a list of his 12 sons and told of Ishu marrying his daughter, Mahalas, okay, Ishu married the daughter Mahalath. Uh Ishmael died when he was 120. So you see, um, their lines crossed. It says, we are given a list of 12 sons and told that Ishu married his daughter, uh, Mahala, married Ishmael's daughter, okay, and 37 years, and his brethren has lasted and was gathered to his people, and they settled uh, from Havilah to Sur, which is the east of Egypt. As one goes towards Assyria, he settled in defiance of all his relatives. Okay, now mind you, again, they're settling in with family because remember that area was lined with um, uh, with Ham's people. Okay, this is uh, Seep's people. All right, so now we're going down to the character. Ishmael appears to have been a wild and wayward child and doubtless the perfect the perfect freedom of desert life 
and interaction with those who looked upon him as hair apparent of their great chief tender to make him uh, impatient of restraint and overbearing in his temper. His harsh treatment of Sarai, his disappointment is not becoming the hair of Abraham. And the necessity of earning a scanty living by his sword and bow would naturally wound his pride, wound, sorry, wound his pride spirit and make him what the angel had predicted, a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. He's a young teenager. He's been thrown out of the place where he's lived in and he knows nothing other. And so he's going to take offense and that offense of course it was not it was not uh it was it was not uh it wasn't stomped out it wasn't explained to him because of course the mother felt she was right so it was never dealt with so he turned out to be a wild donkey of a man in the midst of the wilderness and his people are thus the same okay so that is um where we are with ishmael now we're going to pause for a second and come back because i want to address isaac okay so let's go back for commercial and then we will come back okay everyone we're back now uh, we're going now to talk about Isaac. Okay. Isaac was the promised son. And Isaac is forms the line of uh, forms the line to Christ. So let's see what it says about Isaac. Okay, this is pretty long. Okay. Isaac uh, let me put this up here so I can see this a little bit better. So I'm getting a little shadow from the light here. Okay. Uh, Isaac. Yes, hack. Yes, hack. Yes, hack. Isaac. Isaac. Uh, laugh, meaning laughter. The only son of Abraham by Sarah, the name Isaac was fitly chosen by Jehovah in 
commemoration of the child's miraculous birth and the laughing joy it's occasioned. Okay, early life, the birth of Isaac occurred about uh, 206 B.C., when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah 90. Well, she's actually 91, but okay. He was circumcised when he was eight days old, and his mother's uh, skeptical laughter was turned into uh, exhaust. Uh, turned into laughter. The next event recorded of Isaac is his weaning, properly according to Eastern custom. When he was two years old, in honor of the occasion, Abraham made a great feast. As an ex expression, no doubt, of his joy, this happiness was naturally shared by the mother and friends of the parents. But Ishmael, which see, saw no occasion for gladness to him being supplanted in the more peculiar uh, in the more peculiar honor of the house by this younger brother. He mocked Isaac and so angered Sarah that she insisted upon his being sent away. So you see, this was the problem. It was uh, Isaac's, uh, Isaac being weaned and coming into childhood at two years of age. It was a festival concerning Isaac. And, of course, uh, Ishmael has been there most of his life, and they've treated him. Uh, you, I mean, you can just get the picture. He, they treated him. Uh, as the son, only son, because there was no other son. And then, again, he's not prepared for what's coming. The child comes. He's a teenager. He's already rebelling, and he's got this kid. And so, like any other teenager uh, that hasn't... Um, it... it, it it's, you could just see the issue. And it, it was really an issue of um, rebellion and discourse uh, on his part. And he wasn't put in check because his mother was feeling like, you know, her child should be uh, considered the first and inherit you know, his father's position. That's what all that was about. Um, but again, you can't supplant the Lord's plan. Even, and this has gone through, as you'll see, uh, biblically there, the second child sometimes does take the place of the first child. If God, we, if God puts it that way, uh, in this case, the Lord had already told uh, Sarah and Abraham that the second child was the child that would carry the line. Uh, and would, um, it wasn't a matter of so much of carrying uh, what Abraham had, because when he passed, 
uh, the land and things were divided amongst the brothers uh, evenly. It was the line that he carried, who he was. He was to be uh, the line leading up to Christ Jesus, okay? And so that is the issue, really. Um, so today, uh, like I said, uh, there's a lot of contingency going on there because uh, they are uh, they are part of Abraham's family, but they are not entitled to uh, the lineship of uh, the deity <laughs> um, because Hagar actually went I mean Hagar Sarah actually went against God's will and did not um, adhere to what he said at first. And, of course, with that comes a lot of problems. Okay, so let's move on. Um, so at this, at this particular um, feast, this was a feast, you know, you had a lot of people there. And, of course, everybody saw this. So this is kind of like an embarrassment and an outrage, you might say. Uh, he was not quiet about what he said. Um, offerings. So we are next informed of the event con uh, connected with the commandment of God to offer of Mora. That's in chapter 22, which I haven't got to that. He was probably about 16 years of age, according to Jephias 25. It appears he was to be offered until the act was to process of being accomplished and then offered no resistance. He conduct, he, his conduct proved him to be a fitting type of him who came to do not his own will, but the will of him that sent him. So uh, we all know that uh, the uh, offering up of Abram's son Isaac, but he did not know how Isaac was feeling. And so he's saying Isaac was a special, he was a perfect specimen for the uh, coming of Christ, who would be the lamb who didn't, you know, he didn't fight uh, being the sacrificial lamb, and neither did I, uh, neither did Isaac. Okay, marriage. A long gap occurred in the narrative of Isaac's life, and we hear nothing of him until his marriage to Rebecca. Uh, we may reasonable into reasonable infer that a period of 20 years or more elapsed since the last event recording concerning him uh, for his marriage took place after his mother's death, which occurred when Isaac was 37 years old. In obedience to the commandment of Abraham, a trusted servant went to, went to Mesopotamia.
to take under divine direction a partner from among his own kin for Isaac. Rebekah was chosen and became the wife of Isaac when he was uh, 40 years of age. Um, Too far into this. Okay, the death of Abraham. Previously to his life, Abraham made a full distribution of his property. He made a final distribution of his property, leaving to Isaac his possessions, whereas the sons of Hagar and Keturah were sent away with presents into E country, Arabia. Isaac and Ishmael buried their father in the cave of Mitchpelah, and Isaac took up his residence by Berlahironi. Let me go back over this very quickly. He made a final distribution of his property, leaving to Isaac his possessions, whereas the sons of the sons of Hagar and Kitra were sent away with presents into the E country. Okay, so um, I guess I was wrong. I thought uh, that he had distributed that evenly, but he didn't. Okay, so he left most of his possessions to Isaac, and uh, he gave presents to Hagar's sons and Kitra's sons. Okay, and um, after about 20 years uh, and an answer to prayer, Rebecca gave birth to sons Jacob and Isu. Um, okay, these were the grandsons of um, Sarah and uh, Abraham. Um Uh, as boys grew, Isaac loved Isu, uh, perhaps for his robust character, uh, while Jacob, a peaceful man living in tent, was the favorite of his mother, um, uh, denies his wife. Although a famine in the land compels Isaac to seek food in some foreign land, he was, uh, admonished by God not to go down to Egypt, but to continue in the promised land. Isaac, uh, at this time, the Lord renewed his promise to Isaac and to his seed and confirmed the promise, thus the divine protection. Again, you see it's being passed down to the son now. Uh, Abraham Isaac did not fully trust the divine protection, though but was led by his fears into a lie. While dwelling in the neighborhood of Gerar, he had the weakness uh, to call Rebekah his sister, afraid that the people might kill him, like his father. (laughs) Um, They knew her to be his wife, and the king rebuked Isaac for his lie but allowed him to remain in the land unlike his father's father was kicked out of the land uh later life isaac remained 
in the land of uh, Philistine cultivate a portion of the ground and in the same year uh, reaped a hundredfold his flocks and herds grew so large that he became rich. I don't want to get too much into this because I don't want to give away uh, his story. We're going to read his story soon enough. Um, uh, he, re- he returns to Bathsheba the covenant blessing. Amalek also sought and obtained from Isaac a covenant of peace. It was when Isu was 40 years of age and Isaac 100. Then the former married Judas and Basmith, daughters of Canaan, and they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Uh, Isaac's blessing. The last prominent event in the life of Isaac is the blessing he gave to his sons. Uh, being old and dim of sight and supporting that his death was near at hand, Isaac called Ezu and requested him to take vision and to make him a savory dish uh, that he might eat and bless him before his death. Rebecca, hearing this request and sought to frustrate his intentions and to secure the blessing for Jacob. While Ezu was uh, absent, Rebecca prepared the dish and Jacob disguised so as to resemble his hairy brother, deceived his father and obtained the blessing. Upon uncovering this exception, Isaac, remembering no doubt the prediction that the older shall serve the younger, uh, declined to revoke the words he had uttered, but bestowed an inferior blessing upon Israel. This so angered issue that he uh, seems to have looked towards to Isaac's death as affording an opportunity for taking vengeance upon his brother, much like in the beginning of Adam and Eve. Uh, the age Panach was therefore induced at his wife's in treaty to send Jacob to Mesopotamia uh, that he might take a wife or daughter of Laban. Okay, after after some time, Jacob returned and found his father at Madrid and Kedath Arab, where Abram and Isaac had sojourned. Here, uh, Isaac dies at the age of 180 and is gathered with his people. Okay. And that's where we're going to stop there. Okay. Um, And that's the story of Isaac. That tells you a little about Isaac. All right. We're going to move into Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Madrid while he was sitting in the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And Abram, uh, Abraham sorry, looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent 
to meet them and bow low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my father, do not pass your servant. Let a little water be brought, and then uh, you may all wash your feet. It says, do not pass your servant by. Uh, Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under the tree. Let me get your let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Now, this is normal. This is a normal thing. Uh, people don't do this today unless uh, they've uh, come to visit. And then, of course, you know, uh, if they're staying overnight, you know, they wash up and eat, and etc. But most times, if they're just coming for the day, you know, none of that is done. These men were uh, comforted. They were given to wash their feet. Uh, Why? Because they're walking in the desert sand. It's hot. Their feet are burning. They're tired. So to give them comfort, you will wash their feet and uh, take down some of that tiredness to relax them, give them food to eat, right? Okay, um, so that's normal. Uh, let's see. Uh, very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three, get three says of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he came to the herd and selected a choice, tender calf, and gave it to the servant who who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curd of milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought. After I am worn out and my master is old, who uh, is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? (laughs) Remember, the Lord hears all, sees all. Okay. These are the Lord's angels, so they can hear everything that's being said and heard, too. Okay? Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, it's not. I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But but he said, yes, you did laugh. 
Okay. He said, no, no, I heard you. Don't lie. Um, Abraham's pleads for us. Okay. When the menu got, uh, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abram will surely become a great and powerful nation. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abram what, is, uh, what he has promised him. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Um, then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is, at, is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abram remained. Um, standing before the Lord, then Abram approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are uh, 50 righteous people in the city? Will you, re will you really sweep it um, away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. What if the number of righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of the five people. Um, if I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him, uh, what if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. 
Uh, then he said, maybe the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I have so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? And he said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished, uh, when the Lord had, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. Now, uh, here's the thing. Um, Abraham at this time didn't know how many of Lot's people were still with him. So uh, more than likely, this is why he's asking these questions, because he's thinking about, uh, you know, his, his family that's there a lot as Lot and all of his people. And, you know, he, he has not. Uh, I, I can imagine he has not talking to, talked to Lot in quite a while, and so he's concerned now. He probably knows uh, how the area is, but he also knows that his family is there, and he's concerned about them. Okay, so... So he's uh, making sure that given the amount of people that uh, he's covering what he thinks might be there. So he starts off with 50 people. So he must know that uh, <laughs> that Lot's people have broken down and left and gone off to the places nearby. They didn't stay with him. Remember, because they were arguing and quarreling, he knows the kind of people they are. But he also knows his, he also knows his brother and their immediate family as well. Okay, so um, let's see what happens. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. See? So Lot is sitting in the gateway of the city. So Lot has moved out of the land and moved into the city. So that means Lot's people is in that city. Um, when he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. 
So Lot was looking out for people who were coming in that might be in harm's way, so to speak. <laughs> uh, and no doubt his house was near the uh, gates of the city. Um, so he could get in and get out easily. Uh, let's see. Uh, no, they answered. We will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baked, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to, your, came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went out, uh, went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, uh, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of the way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here, came here as an alien, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-laws, sons or daughters? or anyone, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you, get them out of here. Okay, so right now, it's just Lot. And so that's not, remember he said 10 people, he would save the city. So it's just Lot. That's not enough people to save the city. <laughs> okay, remember what the Lord said to Abraham. Uh, because we are going to destroy this place, the outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-law, his sons-in-laws, okay? He has two daughters who were married but hadn't been touched, <laughs> okay? So he has two son-in-laws who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. So that would have been one, two, three, four, five, six people. That's not enough for the Lord not to destroy it. Because you're talking about Lot, his wife, his two daughters, and his two son-in-laws. All right. Um... But his son-in-laws, 
thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. See? So the son-in-laws didn't go. Uh, when he hesitated, the man grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for ye, ye, flee for your lives and don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my Lord, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look here is a town near enough to run to, and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my wife will be spared. He said to him, Very well, I will grant the request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak, speak of. Uh, but flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zor. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had raised over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. For the Lord, uh, from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. <clears throat> he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. <clears throat> so when God um, destroyed the city of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew <clears throat> that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. <coughs> Excuse me.
<clears throat> okay. Uh, Lot and his two daughters left Zor and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zor. He and his daughters lived in a cave. One day, uh, one day, the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man around here to live with us, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine, and then lie with him, and preserve our family line through our father. That night, they got their father to drink wine, and the oldest daughter went in and laid with him. He was not aware of it when she laid down or when she got up. The next day, the older daughter said to the younger, Last night I laid with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight, and you go in and lie with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went and laid with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she laid down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The other daughter had a the oldest daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of, uh, of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Amin. Uh, ben uh, he is the father of the Amorites of today. Okay, so um, first of all, they were in the town of Zor. Apparently, uh, he was afraid to stay in Zor because Zor probably was much like, uh, uh, much like um, Gamora, which had been destroyed, and so he decided to take them up to the mountains, which. Um, the young lady, being old, I guess he didn't think about his daughters, you know, being uh, they had no one around them, no man. And, of course, at that age, they should have. Uh, and, of course, he didn't think to send back to Abraham to uh, try and get uh, family members because that's what they did in those days. They reached out to family, like cousins and whatnot, to marry. <clears throat> so, uh, he didn't do that. <clears throat> and so, um, the daughters, to uh, continue the line of their father, they commit incest. Okay, uh, let's go move on. Abraham and Amalek. Okay, now Abraham moved on from there into the region of Negev, Negev and lived uh, between Kadesh and Shur. Uh, for a while he stayed in Gar 
And there Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, uh, she is my sister. Then Amalek, king of Gar, sent for Sarah and took her. Uh, but God came to Amalek uh, in a dream one night and said to him, you you are uh, you are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is married woman. Now Amalek had not gone near her, so he said, "Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, "She is my sister, and didn't she also say?" Uh, he is my brother. I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you you may be sure that you and all yours will die. Early the next morning, Amalek summoned all his officials. And when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Emily called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things, you have done you have done things to me that should not be done. And Amalek asked Abram, what was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, this is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, my daughter, the daughter of my father though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Then Amalek brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham, and he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Amalek said, My land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, I am giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to come. Um, sorry about that, everyone. Uh, this is to come. Uh, I 
lost my place after that. Uh, to Sarah, he said, I am giving your brother a thousand shackles of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Amalek, his wife and his slave girls, so they could have children again. For the Lord had closed up every wound in Amalek's household because of Abraham's uh, wife, Sarah. Okay. <clears throat> so, as I said earlier, I mentioned this earlier, that Abraham and Sarah were brother and sister. Uh, and now you see why uh, they were brother and sister. So they were like what we call today half-brothers and sisters, but still they were brothers and sisters. Uh, different mothers, but same father. Okay. Um, Okay. All right. Uh, I think we have time to cover the birth and near sacrifice of Isaac. So let's do that. Okay, chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, Abraham gave, uh, gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old uh, when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah with nurse children, yet I have bore him a son in his old age. Um, the child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian 
had bored to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Do not uh, do not be so distressed about the boy and your maid servant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Okay? So eventually, at some point in time, Isaac and Isaac and Ishmael would have been separated anyway, uh, because uh, the Lord is telling them uh, that he is not the line, that uh, he is set up for the Messiah to come through, okay? So not to worry about that because they will be taken care of because they are his children. He had already told him uh, he would uh, take care of their children, uh, all those that are marked with the covenant. And Ishmael is marked under the covenant. Okay, um, early the next morning, and here's the key, providing they stay to his commandments. Now, if you uh, trespass his commandments, that's a whole nother story. So that's where you start running into problems. Okay, um, early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on his shoulders and then set her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow's shot away, for she thought, I can now watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. And God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She, so she went and filled the skins with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Now, you can say that the water, even though it was water to drink and he was thirsty, it's kind of like a metaphor because the Lord instructed her to give him the water. And we know water is a spiritual meaning. Um, you're giving him life. <clears throat> but
but you're giving him a spiritual life. <clears throat> so again, uh, here, uh, uh, here is where, again, that spiritual line, uh, that bonding is, is tight, even though, uh, they are not the promised line to, uh, Christ. They are, um, a bound line of faith. Okay. Um, I'm talking about Ishmael's people. Okay, um, let's move on here. All right, uh, at this time, Amalek and... Fico, the commander of forces, said to Abraham, God, God is with you in everything you do. Now, uh, swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Uh, show to me and the country where you are living as an alien the same kindness I have shown to you. Uh, Abraham said, I swear it. Then Abraham com complained to Amalek about a wealth of water that Amalek's servants had seized. But Amalek said, I don't know who has done this. You did not tell me, and I heard about it only today. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Amalek, and the two men made a treaty. Abraham set apart seven ewe lambs from the flock, and Amalek asked Abram, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs you have sent apart uh, by themselves? And he replied, Accept these seven lambs for my hand as a, as a witness that I dug this well. So that place was called Bathsheba. Because the two men swore an oath there. After the treaty had been made at Bathsheba, Amalek and Fico, the commander of his force, returned to the land of the Philistines. Uh, Abraham planted a tamarack tree in Bathsheba, and there he called upon the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. Okay, we are going to stop here at chapter 22. And we'll pick up again there tomorrow. Okay, everyone. I hope this was a blessed reading to you. Uh, we got to learn about uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah. Um if any of you have anything you'd like to add to or ask about, you can reach me at anchor.fm right slash Linda uh, McMillan 9, or you can reach me at mcmillan75gmail.com, or you can reach out to me at Facebook. Just send in a message to Linda McMillan. Uh, 
Okay? All right. And for those of you who would like to sponsor or donate to us, there are two buttons at the bottom of this page. Please feel free to do so. Your, your donations and sponsorships help to keep us on air. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. You all have a blessed evening and good night.